listening to a podcast from The National. In Yemen, a four-year battle to reinstate an overthrown government is ongoing. Just south sits Djibouti, a tiny East African country, home to Italian, French, Chinese, Japanese and American military bases. And in between lies an 18-mile strait that's one of the world's most economically important bodies of water and one of its most vulnerable. Today on Beyond the Headlines, we look at Bab el-Mandeb. I'm Charlie Mitchell. The Bab el-Mandeb Strait is a vital choke point at the southern tip of the Red Sea, between the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa. When you combine the economic woes and political instability of Djibouti with the security challenges across the strait in Yemen, you have the potential for a perfect storm. And while some, like the UAE, have raced to secure it, others, like the Houthi rebels to the north in Yemen, have realised the destructive potential of attacking it, as we saw recently when two Saudi ships came under fire. To put this in perspective, we spoke with Jennifer Nyana, who covers energy and business for The National. Let's get a picture of the Middle East's role in the global oil trade before we get into the significance of Babel Mandeb for global trade and particularly energy trade. The Middle East accounts for 35% of all oil produced globally. Um, There are four critical choke points around the world, especially for energy trade. The first, of course, is the Strait of Hormuz, Strait of Malacca, and you have Babel Mandeb and also the Suez and the Sumed pipeline choke point. Babel Mandeb is, is much more of a choke point when you compare it with the Strait of Hormuz because the the narrowest point is narrower than the one uh, in Strait of Hormuz. Uh, it's critical to Saudi Arabia, which accounts for 12% of the world's oil production. It's the biggest. Saudi Aramco is the biggest corporate producer of oil. And Saudi Arabia has some strategic refineries on its western Red Sea coast. And what has been traditionally done is uh, oil is produced on the eastern coast of, not necessarily the coast, but the eastern provinces of Saudi Arabia. Oil was discovered in Bahrain, which lies off the eastern coast of Saudi, and major oil fields were discovered in the eastern province. So you have big centers like Dahran in Saudi Arabia, and oil is produced, and some of this oil is shipped through the Strait of Hormuz, round uh, the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, and through Babel Mandeb, which lies between Yemen and Djibouti, and then oil is uh, sort of pumped into the refineries on the western coast in Yambu, and now Saudi Arabia has plans to build one of the biggest oil-to-chemicals facilities on its western coast uh, with Sabic, which is uh, the region's biggest chemical chemicals company. So it's very significant. Uh, the impact during the recent blockade was that oil prices obviously went up, and shipments to Europe were impacted. So it's it's uh, critical. And, and also the linkages to Suez, the Suez Canal, which has recently been expanded, so ships can go both ways and uh, oil can be supplied through Egypt, the, the Arab world's most populous country. So all of these reasons make Babel Mandeb a very strategic strait in the Middle East. Could you give us an indication of um, the type of volumes we're working with in Babel Mandeb? Um, I understand that 4.8 million barrels uh, went through uh, the, the strait in 2016. Yeah. But could you put that into perspective? If you compare with Strait of Hormuz, it's uh, significantly less. But it's one of the top 
four choke points, as I mentioned earlier. The Strait of Hormuz sees around 18.5 million barrels per day, um, you know, traveled through the narrow choke points. Uh, in comparison, Malacca accounts for 16 million barrels per day. The Suez and the Sumed, and the Sumed pipeline is, 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 a, is a Suez Mediterranean pipeline. Oil is taken from uh, the port city of Ain Sokhna in Egypt, and it's transported through to the Mediterranean port in Alexandria. So that's, that's also a major receiver for oil. So that accounts for 5.5 million barrels per day. And Babel Mandeb comes fourth with 4.8, as, as you just mentioned. Uh, so it's significant because these are choke points. Strait of Hormuz leads into markets of the east, uh, which have become more important for Saudi Aramco, for Adnok here in Abu Dhabi. And Babel Mandeb and the Suez and Sumed choke points account for traffic into Europe and North Africa, which are, again, you know, big population centers. So you mentioned that, that Saudi had suspended operations in Babel Mandeb temporarily. Uh, that, of course, followed the attack by, the, by uh, the Houthi rebels in Yemen on two Saudi crewed vessels. What was the response in the industry to that attack and the suspension of, of um, trade through there by Saudi Arabia? The oil markets are very emotional. They respond to these, uh, these threats very seriously. Previously, when we had threats along the Strait of Hormuz, we've seen spikes in oil prices. But because the markets have become so accustomed to these sort of empty threats along the Strait of Hormuz, you don't really see uh, market movements these days. And you have to, again, understand the behavior of oil producers in the region. Uh, the country that threatens to blockade Strait of Hormuz is Iran. But they, they remain in a weak position today because they need to get the crude out before sanctions come in. So even if they do say, well, we're going to blockade the Strait of Hormuz, it's not taken very seriously because it will impact them more than other countries in the region because Iran totally depends on the Strait of Hormuz to get its oil out. Whereas if you look at Babel Mandeb, where the threats come from, these armed groups, militia groups and pirates, uh, they don't really have a vested interest in production and sale of oil. So the threats are taken very seriously. And shipping insurance costs uh, will increase significantly political risk premiums and all of that. So it's, it's a very, very significant threat when you compare it with the Strait of Hormuz. And the way the markets reacted was once... Uh, news was out uh, that two very large crude carriers were attacked by the Houthi rebels. Uh, I think they carried around 2 million barrels of oil. Uh, the markets responded by, the, the, we saw the price of Brent rise to 75 barrels per day. It spiked and then, it's, then it fell to 70 to 73 levels. So there was an immediate reaction because it's, it's, it's narrower, as I said. It's, uh, it's much more of a threat to the oil markets, to choke points, than, than the other choke points. The incident with Saudi ships raised the question, what would happen to global shipping if the strait was blocked, forcing ships around the southern tip of Africa? Passage from Fujairah to Texas would extend by 2,660 nautical miles. The distance from Dubai to Italy would triple. The consequences would be felt in markets around the world. And as ever, economics inform politics. Gulf states, chiefly Saudi Arabia and the UAE, have for years sought to protect the Bab el-Mandeb, 
both from piracy and more recently from Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. The Saudi-Iranian rivalry uh, is a key access in terms of regional dynamics. And when we talk about maritime security, maritime trade, uh, that's that has come under threat as far as Saudi Arabia and the UAE are concerned uh, from Iran and particularly in terms of what's been going on in Yemen. Ahmed Soliman is an expert on the Horn of Africa region at Chatham House. He gave us some more background on what makes Bab al-Mandeb so important. Also economically, the UAE uh, as one of uh, the premier, the leading uh, countries working on uh, on, on tr- transshipment uh, and port development has sought to expand its existing uh, markets and then areas of control. And that, that has also to do with existing relationships uh, with some, um, some experiences not going well. For example, uh, for Dubai Ports World, the relationship in Djibouti has soured somewhat, uh, which had been uh, very important for over a decade. The same in, in Aden and Yemen uh, because of the political uh, situation and the conflict that we're seeing there. The UAE has also established strong economic and security relationships with Djibouti, Eritrea, Ethiopia and parts of Somalia to try to bring stability to the areas around the Bab al-Mandeb Strait. It's not an easy feat in one of Africa's most conflict-ridden regions. We've seen that the expansion of, of military bases, but also port deals as part of this, and then, and, and as you mentioned, installations being developed in Eritrea. Uh, you, you have, of course, had Djibouti previously. You have Berbera. You have Puntland. Uh, and you have other possibilities and opportunities in Somalia and elsewhere. Uh, so in part, we're seeing some, somewhat of a securitization of the, the Bab al-Mandeb there, um, uh, and, and a spread of, of Emirati uh, influence. Uh, as I mentioned, this is partly to f- offset areas where uh, economic relationships have, have perhaps soured in, in the Horn of Africa region as well, and to take advantage of a potential further markets uh, in the Horn region when we talk about Ethiopia in particular, uh, you know, a landlocked country of 100 plus million and one of said to be one of the most populous countries in the world in the next 25 years. Um, and, uh, and so I think the GCC countries are also developing as important uh, economic and uh, development partners in the, in the Horn of Africa at the same time. And the UAE is, uh, is able to take advantage of that. And we're seeing that through the development of ports and, and, and infrastructure and, uh, importantly, the development of, uh, of bilateral relations between the UAE and other countries in the, in the Horn region. To gauge the importance of the region for the UAE, we can look at Abu Dhabi's role in brokering peace between Ethiopia and Eritrea, two countries at war for 20 years, whose rivalry destabilised the Horn of Africa and therefore the Bab al-Mandeb. It's not an understatement to say that, um, that the, the, the signing of peace, the declaration of peace between um, Eritrea and, and Ethiopia is the most sig- significant um, you know, political signing, political development to happen in the region for, for a quarter of a century. Um, it's, it's not simply peace between two neighbouring countries who, who haven't, 
had a relationship for for 20 years it's 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 peace between two neighbors who share you know a historical bond who have cultural affinities linguistic and uh, and religious affinities and that uh, the importance of lasting peace between the two uh, would create a legacy in in the Horn of Africa region for, for peace uh, for the implementation of peace uh, in the in a region which continues to have the most conflicts uh, on the African continent you know we talk about the the civil war in South Sudan ongoing insurgency in Somalia uh, armed rebellions in Sudan for example so this would would be an important precedent for 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 creating peace and security in the region uh, and one that was um, largely created between the leaderships and government themselves. Uh, but you're, of course, right in saying that there has been uh, uh, some engagement from uh, from the UAE and from Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, as I understand it, um, Abiy Ahmed, the Ethiopian prime minister's first visit outside of Africa was to Saudi Arabia. Uh, this in itself, I think, was uh, a really important development and something that we would not have seen from previous Ethiopian leaders. And I think it was a response to an understanding of the shift in uh, in geopolitics in the Horn of Africa and the broader sub-region. Um, and the need for, for Ethiopia to engage on the front foot uh, under under this new government and under this uh, you know reform reformist leadership. Um, what we saw during that 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 visit was was also Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed asking uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman whether he would engage and intervene uh, on trying to. Uh, Approach a relationship and, and rapprochement with with Eritrea. Um, subsequently, uh, we have also seen uh, the visit of Mohammed um, bin Zayed to Ethiopia, and, and, and as you mentioned, the signing of uh, a three billion dollar deal, one one billion uh, to be to, of foreign exchange uh, to 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 go into Ethiopia's banks to alleviate a foreign exchange crisis, and two billion further in investments. Um, as well as that, there have been discussions sim simultaneously with President Asayas over uh, further strengthening and developing uh, the economic uh, uh, ties and, uh, and political ties between between the countries. And, um, and, and from that perspective, you can see that the UAE and Saudi Arabia have played an important role in, in bridging gaps between them and that the fact that you know, uh, both the UAE and Saudi Arabia had uh, the ear of President Asayas did make a difference in helping to uh, to push through uh, a rapprochement between Ethiopia and Eritrea, who hadn't who hadn't been on speaking terms. Uh, and it's part of a broader diplomatic engagement as well. And Abiy Ahmed, I know the Prime Minister who has been of Ethiopia, has 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 um, had the same message uh, to other countries during his regional tours in Sudan, uh, in Egypt, and other places to try and reach out to to Eritrea. But I think the UAE, you know, symbolic also in the fact that uh, President Asayas arrived in Ethiopia uh, on an Emirati on a plane, 
um, that the UAE has played a prominent role here, both at, on the political level, on the economic level in future, I would imagine, uh, and through its existing relationship. Obviously, uh, the UAE does um, have, a, have a base in southern Eritrea uh, at, at Asab port. And uh, we, uh, we can see that the, the future potential for that regional integration, which includes Ethiopia and Eritrea, and, and, and the opening of trade to include uh, regenerated and revitalized uh, sea coast uh, in, in Eritrea, uh, as well as the existing one in Djibouti and, and, and in uh, Berbera and Somaliland and elsewhere. So that's, I think, looking forward uh, into the future. Uh, but, but for now, clearly, um, the UAE and, and Saudi Arabia have played an important role in helping uh, re-establish connections between the leaderships in, in Ethiopia and Eritrea. Thanks to Jennifer Nyana and Ahmed Soliman for their insights. Thanks also to the show's usual host, Nasser Al-Wasmi, and Kevin Jeffers for producing. Subscribe to Beyond the Headlines to receive new episodes each week. You can find us on your preferred podcasting app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Audio Boom. Also follow along with developments in the Middle East on our website, thenational.ae. I've been your host, Charlie Mitchell. Thanks for listening.